It's Friday, and uh, we got a weekend of fights to look forward to here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll be uh, ringside covering the Herring-Stevenson card for ringtv.com. You guys, if you've been paying attention this week, I've already put up a couple of pieces. Uh, I interviewed Jamel Herring a couple days ago. Uh, I talked about this on my show, uh, TNC, this week. I I talked to Jamel and I uh, got that interview up on ringtv.com. Make sure you check that out. And today I uh, covered the weigh-in, a little recap of the weigh-in. That's up there on ringtv.com as well. So you guys can go check out all that stuff. Helps me out when you guys go and give it a clickety-click. Um, that helps me out tremendously. So I'll wait a few minutes here before I get going, let you guys get in the chat. I'll share my screen so that you guys can see these uh, pieces here real quick. Because uh, we only got a handful of you on the chat. Let's see. Here's the one. Ah, of course, it's going to go slow. It's going to freeze up. Here we go. Jamal Herring says he's ready to ruin Shakur Stevenson's party. Indeed, he did uh, make that point a couple times. And um, so there's uh, this article that I wrote here on ringtv.com a couple days ago. This has quotes from the from the interview I did with him. But if you want to see the whole interview, just click on ring TV or just click on the actual article and you'll see video of it right here. This is when I was talking to Jamel. Uh, it's a good guy, man. There's a lot of fun talking to him. Uh, so here, let me uh, share my screen for that one. So you guys can see real quick. And I can post these links if you want to check them out, but um, yeah, check it out. There you go. There's me, chat with Jamel, a few of you guys there in the comment section. And then um, real quick, I'll go to the weigh-in. And once again at the weigh-in today, Shakur Stevenson tried to take Jamel's belt. There's the photo of it right there, right at the top. Um, I did not take video because you're you're not supposed to, but uh, Top Rank um, streamed the, the weigh-in today on their YouTube channel. So increasingly it's, it's, it's not even, it, it's less and less uh, worthwhile to go to this kind of stuff or to at least take video and pictures of it and stuff. So I'll do like a little recap, like you see right here. And then we embedded the actual video from top rank. So you could go and you could watch their stream and everything that's on their YouTube channel. We embedded that into my article. So that's what I do now, but I got all the weights for all the undercard fighters so those of you who uh, you know are friends and family with some of these undercard fighters, and several of them are Atlanta natives, uh, most notably Evan Holyfield, one of Evander Holyfield's kids. He's on there. Uh, but yeah, that's what I do now. A lot of these time, a lot of times for this stuff. You know, if there's a press conference, if there's uh, a weigh-in, I will. Uh, I'll just do a, cl- a quick recap and just embed the video because it's usually provided now by the promoter. Just a few years ago they weren't streaming this stuff on their YouTube channel. They were really, really behind. And it, it gave an opportunity to guys like me and a million other YouTube channels to go to these things, take video and stream it. Once the promoters found out, wait a second, there's these guys that are doing this shit with their cell phone or cheap ass cameras. And they're getting thousands of clicks on their YouTube channel. We can do this. The promoters caught on. They always catch on watching what the kids are doing. And now they stream all this stuff. So anyway, um, phones are open if you guys want to chat real quick. If not, I totally get it. This um, this weekend isn't a huge weekend of fights. But I, I do think it's an important fight for the 130-pound division. For what it's worth, uh, Jamel Herring, still a huge betting underdog against Shakur Stevenson, uh, which is very interesting. I, I thought the odds would be a lot closer. I've seen like as far as 10 to 1. But, you know, Jamel really, really wants to be the Ring Magazine champion. He's told me that multiple times. Uh, Right now, he's rated number one at 130 by Ring. You remember Oscar Valdez, he was rated highly, but performance-enhancing drugs, right? He he, he popped for a banned substance. Now, he says it was a mistake, yada, yada, yada. We've been through that a million times. But we decided on the Ring Ratings panel to take him off our ratings. So right now, he's not on our ratings. So Jamel's number one, Miguel Burchelt, who got beat by Valdez, is number two. Now, of course, if Valdez comes back, he fights, um, there's no issues. He'll be back in our ratings, and he'll probably be right back up near the top. But as it stands right now, 
A number one versus number two matchup would be Jamel Herring versus Miguel Burchelt. Sounds crazy, but that's what it would be. Uh, Chris Colbert is rated number four. Personally, I would rate him higher. I do, but the, the panel voted to not rate him as highly. I think his potential is through the charts. And Stevenson's five. So depending on what happens this weekend, we could get a, uh, get a big shape shakeup in, in the ratings at 130 pounds. But if Herring were to pull this off, Who's to say a fight between him and Miguel Burchelt couldn't happen next? Uh, and depending on where Oscar Valdez is ranked, that could be for the ring championship belt. If Valdez can get a fight, do drug testing, pass the drug tests, he gets his rating back, then maybe he's number two because he'd be back above Burchelt. Then number one versus number two would be Herring versus Valdez. Let me ask you guys this. If Stevenson beats Herring, do you rate him number one right now at 130 pounds? Do you put him at the top? If so, what happens when Valdez gets back in the ratings? Does he go back? Does Do you put him at number one? Or do you keep Stevenson at number one? And do you put Valdez at number two? And then with Colbert, you know, if he wins his next fight, where do you put him? Then there's also Rakamov, 15-0 and 0, uh, Russian fighter that we currently have at number three. There's a lot of young guys uh, right now. Uh, Xavier Martinez. Is another uh, American prospect. He's in there. Uh, Stevenson, of course, is an American prospect, undefeated. So there's a couple guys, you know, a few guys on the list, uh, mostly Americans, but uh, a couple from other parts of the world as well in the top 10 there at 130. But I do think we're going to get a, a shakeup uh, depending on how things play out this weekend. Uh, let's see. Uh, just going here to the chat. It looks like most of you guys on this show are going with Herring. Um, or at least, you know, polling for him, which I understand. Um, oh, you know, a good comment here from Tyrone Watson. Michael, will you be discussing the WBA forcing Ugas to fight a 13-0 fighter versus having a unification bout with Spence? Yeah, so, uh, well, there's a, there's a couple of different fight news. So, so we'll start with this one. Um, WBA forcing Ugas to fight Stanionis, right? For what it's worth, I like the fight. I think it's a good fight. I don't quite understand what the WBA is doing. Does Stan Leonis have one under 5,000 belts? Maybe that's what's going on. Let me look it up. Let me look it up live right here on the show um, because maybe that will explain it. So I, I don't want to misquote something. Let me pull up their crazy, insane ratings. So, okay, this is what it is. Jordanus Ugas is the WBA super welterweight champion. Jamal James is the regular champion. Virgil Ortiz is the gold champion, and he's ranked number two. Somehow, Emantis uh, Stanionis is ranked number one, but I don't think he has any of the titles. Now, maybe he was the former interim belt holder because they're supposedly getting rid of the interim belt holders. But I would think you would put the interim belt holder against the regular belt holder, Jamal James, versus Jordanius Ugas. I don't quite understand it. Uh, Errol Spence has the WBC and IBF belts and Terrence Crawford has the WBO. So um, Terrence Crawford is a good fight coming up against Sean Porter. We don't know what the hell to expect with Errol Spence or when he's going to be back in the ring. So from that perspective, I don't mind this move by the WBA because at least it, it ensures that Ugas's next fight will be against a, a solid fighter. I like Stan Jonas. I think he could give Ugas a pretty good, interesting fight. Um, but of course, I'd, I'd prefer to see Ugas against the either the Crawford-Porter winner or maybe Spence next year. But does anyone think Spence is going to go right into a fight with Ugas? I don't know about that. We Again, we don't know what to expect from Spence. I don't know what his health is like and when he's going to fight next. Really don't. But also, um, so that's my thoughts on that. I mean, whatever. As long as he's fighting a, a top-rated guy, is Stanionis really proven? Is some of those other fighters? Absolutely not. He's still a prospect. But he is rated number one in their um, their organization. I'd rather see Stanionis and Ortiz fight each other. You know, Ortiz is actually a little more proven than Stanionis. Somehow Stanionis is rated number one and Ortiz is rated number two. I, I cannot make sense of any of the WBA's bullshit. But I don't hate the fight, bottom line. Another fight coming up. Uh, Joseph Diaz Jr. apparently is going to be fighting Devin Haney in early December. 
either I think December 3rd or 4th. I think that's either what uh, Friday or Saturday, first Friday or Saturday of December. I like that fight a lot. Uh, props to Joseph Diaz Jr. He has shown that he is willing to fight anybody. He was willing to step up and fight Ryan Garcia. Ryan hurt his hand. We all saw the pictures from the hospital. I guess it's legit. Uh, but Ryan, to me, has had a disappointing run recently. And I know he had a, the biggest win of his career earlier this year, but he hasn't done anything since. And he's found a way, one way or another, whether it be injuries or things going on, behavioral stuff, uh, to, to not fight. So I'm just, you know, a little disappointed and kind of checked out right now on Ryan Garcia. But for Devin Haney, a guy that's done nothing but talk, he's kind of been the, I don't know, um, the Demetrius Andrade of 135 pounds in a lot of ways. Um, look, Joseph Diaz Jr. is going to be the best opponent he's ever fought. Now, Diaz, I think, has a chance to win, but you have to favor Haney because I just think about Diaz's fight with Gary Russell Jr. and how that went. Diaz had moments. He had moments. But Russell won that fight, and Russell's smaller, shorter, and not as explosive or hard-hitting as Haney. And I'm not saying Haney is this big power puncher, but because he's taller and longer, there is going to be more leverage on those punches than from when uh, Russell was throwing them. So I, I don't know. Um, I think Diaz has a real good chance, but you got to favor Haney in that matchup. It, I like it. I like that fight. So uh, Aaron says, yo, Mike, giving you a shout out. I'm heading to the beach. Peace. Nice. Which beach? Which beach? Omar Rodriguez is asking uh, anything interesting on the Crawford Porter undercard. I haven't heard nothing about that undercard. It, nothing's been uh, confirmed that I know of. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. But uh, Muhammad Ali is on the chat. Champ, thanks for joining us from beyond. He says, uh, what's your opinion on White? Is it a strategic move or genuine injury? Yeah, so Dillian White is apparently out of his fight with Otto Valin. He has an injury. That one I'm really suspicious of. I, I'm very, very suspicious of it. It wouldn't surprise me if suddenly we see Dillian White and Tyson Fury fighting next. Here's the thing. If that does happen next, now, I if if we got to wait till next summer for it to happen, that's bullshit. But if it ends up happening, let's say early 2022, January, February, something like that, that's a cool consolation prize. Uh, that's going to be a fun fight. It keeps uh, Fury, the champ, busy. White finally gets his crack at the WBC title. He's been waiting 8,000 years. And um, I feel for Valine, but he's still going to go ahead and fight uh, on the date he was supposed to fight Dillian White. Uh, Eddie Hearn said they're going to go through with that card. They're going to go forward with it. So he's still going to get his fight, and let's see how he looks. And he's going to get an opportunity down the line. But, yeah, I, I don't know if I believe this one, okay? I, I just don't know. Patrick says, I uh, hope you're going for herring, Michael. Marine brother, of course I'm going for herring. I mean – I have to be, you know, not, I have to be impartial here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would like to see Jamal Herring win. I mean, I think it would – here's – if I had um, if I had it my way, okay, what I think is actually the best for boxing, okay, seriously, the best thing for boxing. We end up getting a fight tomorrow night between Jamel Herring and Shakur Stevenson that exceeds expectations because a lot of people are saying there's going to be a snooze fest it's going to be boring. It's going to be ugly. I hope that we get like a, a little bit of a shootout. And of course, it's going to be a technical fight. It, it will be. And Herring has to try to make it ugly. But I think it'd be great if there's some action-packed moments in it and some good back and forth, some ebb and flow. Maybe we see Shakur Stevenson hurt, put on the deck at one point, and he has to come back from behind and you know narrow the gap toward the end of the fight. But maybe Herring pulls it out, pulls out a – uh, a close decision, hard fought, and maybe Shakur Stevenson, you know, he's behind big halfway through and he makes a big run in the second half to make it close, but it's just not enough. But you could see him learning on the job, right? And so you get 12 good hard rounds and herring wins by close decision. And Stevenson learns on the job and learns lessons in those 12 rounds that will serve him later and make him a much, much better fighter. It'll kind of be his, his coming to Jesus moment, right? Where he grows up before our eyes. 
And um, this is what he needs to get him over the hump and make him a truly special top fighter. So it's like it serves as a proving ground, and he comes up a bit short. And then Herring, we get like Herring Valdez early next year, or depending on what Valdez does. But if he comes back and he's rated number two, then you get Herring versus Valdez, which is an easy fight to make, number one versus number two for the Ring Magazine Championship. And then maybe Stevenson fights the winner of that fight. If it's Herring, he rematches Herring. If it's Valdez, you get Valdez versus Stevenson, which would be a fantastic matchup of two young guys. So that would be like the overall the best thing for boxing. Uh, does the best thing for boxing usually happen? No. <laughs> so we'll find out. But either way, regardless of what takes place, I just hope that we get a good fight tomorrow, man. Boxing Learner asks, what do you think of Raleigh Romero? You know, I, I don't know much about the guy. He's not a very good fighter. He's a prospect. I know that he got a gift decision, like one of the worst uh, decisions of 2020 last year. Who who was it that uh, they ripped off? I, I got to look it up now because uh, I can't remember the name and I don't want to butcher this. But Raleigh, he fought uh, Jackson Marinez. It was uh, last August, Jackson Marinez. Somehow, Frank Lombardi had a 118-110 for Romero. That's absolutely disgusting. And this was for an interim WBA title. Man, the WBA loves doing business with PBC. It's just amazing. All those interim belts, they were just selling them to Heyman and Floyd Mayweather, Leonard Ellerby, just selling them to those guys. Um, so yeah, this was last August. Everybody, essentially everybody that watched that fight thought that Jackson Marinez won. Uh, the very next fight, Jackson Marinez fights Richard Comey and gets flattened, gets knocked out in six rounds. And that was Richard Comey coming off a loss, okay? So that tells you where Jackson Marinez is, right, on the totem pole. And I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on the guy. Or you think, I'm just saying he, he's not what you call a top-rated fighter. If you look at his resume before fighting Comey, it's very weak. And that guy beat Raleigh Romero. Okay, so I hear a lot of people kind of getting duped into this thing. We're like, well, Raleigh can crack. He can really, really punch. He might surprise Javante Davis. Javante gets hit. This, that, the other thing. Guys, look at the dude's resume. Come on. I just, this is such a mismatch between Romero and Davis. And that's fine. If you, if you go into that pay-per-view and you're like, take my money. I want to watch this WWE stuff because Romero is going to be funny. He's going to say a lot of crazy, funny things. He wore a fur coat to the press conference this week, and it was like 85 degrees outside. So he's probably sweating his ass off underneath all that. He had swamp ass during the entire presser. Um, he's a character, man. He's going to make it fun. But this is absolutely, absolutely a mismatch. And the only one who could lose this fight, you know, it, Javante Davis is the only guy who could beat himself. It's not going to be Romero, right? So as long as Davis shows up in shape and focused, he's going to win the damn fight. But if you know that going in and you don't mind and you just are having fun because of the theater being presented to you, then by all means, buy the fight and enjoy it. Just know what it is and what it is not, okay? It's not a competitive fight where Davis is fighting the best. Uh, the fight that I mentioned between uh, Diaz and Haney is a much better matchup, a much more meaningful fight that I'm much more interested in. I favor Haney. You know, he's taking the fight because he's taller, longer, and every and he hits harder, everything else. He has every advantage coming in. But I give Diaz a ton of credit for taking that fight. And it is somewhat of a step up in opposition for Haney. So I'm I'm personally more interested in that. Am I going to enjoy the freak show online between Davis and, and and Romero, sure. But, you know, I got to say, uh, there was yesterday there was a presser for Herring Stevenson. And, of course, PBC puts on a presser the same day for Davis and Romero. Uh, they, You know, this is a common thing. Really no need to do it on the exact same day, but they decided to kind of milk, you know, feed off of that fight coverage of the fight coming up this weekend and piggyback on it and do that presser. I think it was out in L.A., a lot of people on my timeline were watching the, that other presser, not the one here in Atlanta, 
they were watching the one out in LA because they thought it'd be funny and it'd have fireworks and it just have all kinds of crazy antics. And it did. I saw some of the photos and some of the videos and stuff, but I, I gotta be honest, I didn't watch it. I'm not particularly interested. At some point, uh, you know, I'll sit back and kind of watch some of it, but it's kind of predictable. I mean, we've just, we've seen this thing so many times. It just doesn't really interest me that much. I'm not hating. It's just not my thing. Super chat pledge from feeling dangerous. Thank you so much, brother. He says, what's going on, Mike? Who you got in the Rivas versus Conan fight? <laughs> I'm picking Rivas. Yeah, I'm picking Rivas in that one too. The first ever, uh, I was going to say cruiserweight, <laughs> the first ever bridgerweight title fight. Um, so, hey, if Oscar Rivas is going to make history. I think he's going to win that fight. And uh, he does look a lot like Conan O'Brien, the guy he's fighting. It's it's hilarious. I've seen the memes out there uh, from, I think it was the press conference. Really, really funny, man. Um, some of you guys, with the way you do these uh, memes and stuff, with your Photoshop skills, you guys are fucking funny, man. There's some of you guys out there that are just really, really talented at that and really, really funny. Uh Popa Chubby says Romero's last fight was a joke. All of his fights were a joke. And again, I'm not hating on the guy. It's just, he's kind of a creation. He's uh Ishay Smith said it best today on his Twitter. He, he said that this dude is basically Ricardo Mayorga without any of the skills. Cause Ricardo Mayorga wasn't a great fighter, but he had some crude skills and that's what Romero is. He's the character, but not the skills part. Um, you know, uh, Ricardo Mayorga looks like a pound-for-pound pound operator next to Romero. So maybe Romero will show us something, and I'll be totally shocked and, and have to eat crow, but I, I think this is going to be an absolute slaughter. But there's going to be a lot of people buying it to see this kid get the shit beat out of him. That's why people are buying it. And again, if that's your thing, cool. Enjoy it. Have fun. Shadow Combat says, when was the last time Haney fought a Southpaw? Interesting. Let's see. Let's look it up. Let's look it up, shall we? I wonder if BoxRec even has this fight. Nah, they don't have it yet. Linares. I uh, last fought Linares. Yeah, Linares, who um, announced that he's leaving Golden Boy promotions. I don't think that's really a loss for Golden Boy uh, at this point in his career. Then before that, it was Gamboa. These guys are all orthodox. Abdulayev, Zaur Abdulayev, was he was he a southpaw? No, he's orthodox too. Hmm. Juan Carlos Burgos, maybe. Hmm. No. Well, damn. He has not fought a southpaw in a while, but I do think that the height difference—it's going to play a factor, man. Um, 5'8", 71-inch reach. Let's see, Joseph Diaz Jr. Let's look up his stats. He is, they list him at 5'6", but he's more like 5'4", 5'5". He's a really tiny guy. Really, really tiny guy. He is a southpaw, but 64-inch reach compared to 71-inch reach. I just think, look, man, he had trouble at times with um, Gary Russell. And again, he had moments in that fight. He, he won a few rounds. But I kind of see this like uh, the Gary Russell fight. Um, the only thing, the only thing I will say, the only distinction, of course, is Gary Russell is a southpaw. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely interesting. You know, I, I, I'm interested in that fight. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, he says, uh, Papa Chubby says, Mike, you'll enjoy all the Twitter buzz after Tank Raleigh. Yeah, it, it, it'll be fun watching it. You know, and seeing all the memes and stuff. Shadow Combat says, uh, phony press conference as always. Yeah, it's just, but again, man, some people eat that shit up. And everyone knows these guys are acting. They're, they're playing a role. Even today, uh, Tyson Fury, I guess today is Deontay Wilder's birthday, and Tyson Fury put out a little video on social media, like a little 60-second video or whatever, just saying, hey, man, happy birthday from Tyson Fury. Bless you. You know, just that kind of stuff. Um, the animosity that was 100% made up for Tyson Fury. Maybe not for Deontay Wilder. I mean, there, there's a lot of anger and hatred in that guy, but, um, but from Tyson, like it was all just an act. It was all just theater for, for the show. And that's pretty apparent by the way he's conducted himself afterwards. 
Trent Nam Perea with the super chat. Thank you, Trent. Good to see you, man. He says, uh, yo, I got your boy Shishkin over Mbili, even though Mbili got the power. When is Ergashev's next fight? Madrimov, Zach Parker is one to watch. Number one prospect at 168. Good stuff, man. My man Trent's always keeping up with the prospects. Um, yeah, I like Shishkin over Mbili. I don't know about Ergashev or Madrimov. I've heard a couple names mentioned for Madrimov, but none of that's come to, to fruition. So I really don't know, which, which sucks, because I like to see him. When is the last time Madrimov fought? You guys got me uh, Googling a lot today here. I'm looking up a lot of records. Yeah, he did fight this year. So he fought back in April. Madrimov did. But uh, and then, you know, a lot of people have, have slowed the, the hype train on Madrimov because his last two fights have gone the distance. He fought Eric Walker last uh, August, and he um, went, that went 12. And he dropped Walker in the 12th. And then he just fought uh, Manny. Colombo, I remember that one. That was what undercard was that on? I think that was that event that Matchroom put on in Uzbekistan. Uh, that was a 10 round fight, and he dropped him in the eighth round. Uh, yeah, 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 that's the one. Um, so that was uh, Akhmadayla versus Iwasa, I think, in the main event. And that was that um, Matchroom card, I want to say, that they put on over there in Uzbekistan, which is really smart business. Matchroom really getting international with their cards. But uh, I think those rounds were great for Madrimov. I really, really do. People fall in love with the power, and uh, they expect that in every single fight, you know, every single fight. But as these guys step up, um, you know, that power is going to wane a little bit, which is good. These guys need, these guys need rounds, man. Lobster Eleven says, "What's up, fam? What's up, Michael Montero? What's up, Lobster? How you doing?" And Kufujitsu. On the chat says another show for the casual fans by Tank and Co. Yep. And for the millionth time, I'm going to say this. I am not hating on the business model over there at Team Tank Davis, even though they think I am and they think I'm this terrible guy and they banned Ring Magazine from covering their events, even though I did a feature story in the magazine on Javante Davis uh, a while ago and I've done a ton of work promoting his shows. The truth is, I get what they're doing. But I'm also going to tell the truth about it. You can't have it both ways. You can't fight B-level and C-level opposition and do it on pay-per-view and only talk about pay-per-view sales, which aren't very good right now for Tank, but will get better. They will grow steadily. Uh, And talk about ticket sales every time. And I've had public discussions on Twitter with members of Tank's team and, and TMT and all those guys. And every time I bring up the accomplishments of guys like Tiafima Lopez and even someone like Devin Haney, who's probably going to beat uh, Joseph Diaz Jr. coming up. And, and every time I bring that up, all they do is come back. They ignore all that. Or if I talk about Josh Taylor, even him, they ignore all the accomplishments, all the titles, all the belts, and they come back with who's selling more tickets. It's always who's selling more tickets. That's all they talk about. Who's selling more pay-per-views? Well, those other guys haven't fought on pay-per-view, so you can't really make that comparison. But it's always about those things. And they're building up a a niche fan base there that only cares about those things. It's an ignorant fan base. Now, I'm not saying all Tank Davis fans are uneducated, casual-type fans, or as I call them, civilians. Not all. There are some fans that are just boxing fans who love watching Javante Davis fight. I like watching Javante Davis fight. He's an exciting fighter. But the fan base that they're trying to build over there was a lot like Floyd's fan base and some other fighter fan bases that's mostly uneducated, unnuanced, and they don't know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to boxing. Uh, Remember when Jalen Rose over at ESPN said, I I think he said he wanted Lomachenko to fight Canelo Alvarez. It was something like that. That's the kind of fans they're building over there on Team Tank. And that's fine. Cool, go for that. Make that money. There's gullible people out there that will see Raleigh Romero say something crazy wearing a fur coat and think, oh, man, that dude's crazy. I got to buy this fight. Anything could happen, right? It's like when Oscar De La Hoya fought Ricardo Mayorga. Who were they marketing to with that fight? Everybody who knew boxing knew Oscar was going to win that fight big, right? But they knew Ricardo Mayorga would say some crazy shit and bring him a, pull out a machete and smoke a cigarette in the gym and Right, all the chicks that like Oscar, big. Oh my God, I gotta buy that fight. <laughs> That's what they're doing here. Cool, 
Don't bitch when he's not in our pound for pound list. Don't bitch when we don't even know what to division to rate him in because he bounces around in divisions all the time and we don't even know where to rate the guy. But whatever division we do rate him in, he's not going to be at the top because he's not fighting top opposition. So don't be mad. Don't hate. Don't call us haters. Don't call us biased or anything like that. Do your thing. Make your money. Build your little niche audience. Don't get mad at us when we don't rate your fighter highly because he's not fighting the type of opposition that warrants a high rating. It's just that simple, folks. That's really all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. Poppy Chubby with the super chat. Thank you very much. He says, hey, Mike, what do you think about Inouye versus Zoo? Are you talking about Kostya Zoo? Or are you talking about his son? And Naoya Inoue, way too small to fight either Zoo. Now, as far as pound for pound, that's a different discussion. But Zoo, Kostya, Kostya fought at, what, 140? This kid fights at 54. Inouye is uh, way too small. So, obviously, I'd like Team Zoo on that one. Appreciate the super chat, man. Uh, Shadow Combat. And I want to see Chocolatito versus Golovkin. Okay, now I see what you guys are doing. You're making fun of my reference to uh, what's his face? Dude from my hometown who just doesn't know boxing, but he has a big job at ESPN. Nacho says that no surprise these goofy casuals would believe anything TMT says regarding Davis, but for us hardcores to buy their bullshit is insulting. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, you got you guys are talking about Takashi in OUA. Oh, okay. See, that's why you guys got to use last names. Because there's several in OUAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fighting Tim Zhu, the son. Um, next month, let's see, November 17th in um Sydney. I like that fight. Who's the guy who beat him? Yeah, he fought to he fought Jaime Mungia in 2019. Took him the distance, but got completely shut out in that fight. So I think Zoo's going to make a statement here. Uh, Inouye is going to, or Inouye is going to fight tough. You know, he's never been knocked out. But I think I can see Zoo actually stopping him. Uh, this guy went 12 rounds with Mungia, but Mungia, in my opinion, was compromised at 154. He really had to kill himself to make that weight. And that, you know, he took some punches in that fight. Most of Inoue's fights have been in Japan. He's only left a couple times. And this is going to be, he fought what? A couple times in Bangkok. So not too far from Japan, you know. Uh, he fought once in America. This one will be in Australia. So uh, that crowd is going to be something else, man, at Olympic Park. I'm trying to think, is that where Zoo's last fight was? No. No, no, no. His last fight was in Newcastle. So is this going to be the, this is the first time that he is fighting at Sydney Olympic Park, I do believe. I wonder what the capacity is there. Let me look this up. Let's see if the seating capacity for this arena, because uh, this kid is starting to do some numbers over there, man. Talk about numbers and ticket sales. 21,000. Okay. Well, I bet you that's going to be 20,000 people in attendance there for that one. I bet you. I bet you. Uh, looks like we got a call here. Let me jump over to the calls. I think this is Nacho on the line. Let's uh, jump over to Nacho. What's up, man? How you doing? All right. How about yourself, Mike? Doing good, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't really get to kind of like, talk um about a couple of things from monday show that you brought up so i just kind of wanted to talk about them right now um just really quick about like mikey garcia you had brought up the whole where you dissected his career um i kind of think he won his titles from guys who you could legitimately make the case were definitely better than the guys that adrian broner for example beat for his belt yeah i agree and i mentioned that yeah you know, um, but I definitely agree, Mike. Ever since he beat um, Sergey Lipinets, he's literally been on a, a check cashing world tour, is what I like to call it, because 
he hasn't fought one real guy since, and he's just been trying to collect as much money as he can lately um, from whether it was Spence or Jesse Vargas or this Sandor Martin guy that he just fought last weekend. I mean, it just seems like all he's doing is just trying to collect as much money as he can and forget forget uh, about like uh, his career at this point. Like to me, unless the guy is legitimately going to fight at 135 or even at 140, I'm not really going to take him seriously anymore. Like he's just a mercenary at this point. He's just out there to the highest bidder and for whoever will uh, pay him the the most money to fight somebody. So. You know, Mikey is who he is. But I definitely agree with what you were saying, Mike, in that there was a lot of people who jumped on the bandwagon with him and they gave him a whole lot of press and a whole lot of, you know, coverage and and made him seem like he was going to be on that stratosphere of, like, De La Hoya, uh, Mayweather. Like, he was going to be that type of star. But he never was really motivated to be that type of star. Like, you always heard how he was just in it for the money. And eventually he proved it. He proved everybody uh, wrong. He he was, he legitimately was only in it for the money. He didn't really care about being a star. So at this point, I'm not really taking the guy seriously. You know, he's just, he's just a guy at this point. That's the way I look at him and his career. Um, and then the other thing um, that you had brought up um, on... Who was it? Oh, and you were talking about it right now. The whole thing with uh, Davis and, and Romero, that's all WWE stuff. Like, we can see it a mile away. Like, they're just trying to sell that fight and convince these uh, <clears throat> LDBC fans and, and everybody else who's a, who's a so-called tank fan that Romero's a real threat. But he's not. Right. He's a guy who's brought in. And, you know, he, he's got an undefeated record, but he hasn't beaten anybody really of note other than the win he got in his last fight against uh get who is probably about the same level as uh the guy that just beat mikey uh martin was so i mean i don't know how much stock you can really put into that win for romero but he he's been picked for a reason and he knows it and i think he knows that he's going to get paid but they're they're using him as a obvious cherry pick to keep uh davis uh, undefeated and basically just keep his name out there because really PBC doesn't have anybody in those divisions right now at 135 mm-hmm. or, or 140 that they could legitimately put in, in there against uh, against Tank that would uh, that would make him a quote-unquote household name you know that's their biggest issue but as long as Floyd and, and TMT are gonna you know use their business plan as far as you know, let us let us fight the the easiest fights for the most money. Then you know nobody's really gonna uh, respect Davis for uh, his career um, path at this point. And then you were mentioning it right now too um, when you were talking about it. I wouldn't be so quick to to say that Haney is just gonna beat JoJo, uh, Mike. I, I'm I think Haney and his team are underestimating JoJo. I yeah. think they're looking at him as like somebody that they they're going to go in there and they're going to beat him relatively easily and and I think JoJo's going to go in there and he's going to hang with him and I think he's going to surprise him because to me the biggest indictment on Haney was he struggled with two guys that he should have beat easily if he was on that level and that's Gamboa and Linares because he didn't fight two guys in their prime he fought two guys past their prime and he still wasn't able to um, put either guy away. He literally was. Um, it's had, a good point. Uh, he was in trouble. Yeah. He was in trouble in his last fight against a, a Pastel Linares. So mm-hmm. the fact that he's fighting a guy who's closer to his prime in Diaz, I think he. I think he's setting himself up for a rude awakening if he um, assumes that he's just gonna uh, walk in there and steamroll uh, JoJo. So, you know. But, yeah, and then uh, I can't wait for the fight tomorrow. Uh, Stevenson's over here trying his uh, antics on herring. Herring's not biting any of that stuff. So I can't wait to see um, how herring comes out tomorrow and goes after this kid, and then we'll see um, what Stevenson is uh, really made of because I think Stevenson's career so far has been a lot of smoke and mirrors. So 
I'll be very curious to see um, how that fight goes. So, yeah. All right, Mike. Well, then uh, I'll talk to you on Monday. All right, brother. Enjoy the fights, man. Have a good weekend. All right, man. You too. All right, peace. Yeah. Nacho, good stuff as always. Um, I saw an interesting question here in the chat, and this might trigger some people, but I'm going to go ahead and give give an answer, uh, some thoughts on this, because, you know, this shouldn't be controversial, but uh, Volume on Max uh, from the UK asks, is boxing a dying or already dead sport among American Caucasians? Interesting question. He says, I only see Spanish-speaking Americans or African-Americans supporting it. Um, so, so from, you know, from the UK, it might appear that way. Um, first of all, Spanish-speaking Americans can be Caucasian or African-American. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of crossover with the Hispanic uh, culture that goes across all races. So that's something that you may not be aware of, but that's the reality. Um, you know, you can have a guy like Canelo Alvarez, you can have a guy like Guillermo Rigondeau, and you can have somebody right in the middle, like uh, Juan Manuel Marquez. Um, so uh, there, there's a whole spectrum there, okay? I just want to make that very clear. But I see, I see where you're going with this. You're talking about non-Hispanic uh, Caucasian Americans. Here's the thing. Boxing in the United States has always been uh, an ethnic sport, Okay. Um, and the people that have been doing the fighting and therefore a lot of the fan base has been um, connected to immigrant populations. So uh, if you go back, um, you know, the, the, the ethnic immigrants back in the day were the Italians, the Jews, uh, and then, of course, a lot of Latin Americans and Latin Americans are still a major influence, of course, on boxing. African-Americans have always had a huge, huge hand in America's bo- boxing success. Uh, their their contribution to the sport is, in my opinion, unparalleled. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious and goes without saying, right? Um, but I think right now what you have in America is, you know, if you talk to um, Slavic Americans, uh, there's still um, different types of pockets of immigrant groups and pockets of uh, ethnic Caucasians uh, in different parts of the country that still, I think, support the sport. Um, you also have to remember that this this country is 330 million people. It's a big country. Um, so if you're referring to, and maybe where you're going with this is what I call Middle America, right? Um, or Joe Sixpack, <laughs> which is a fun term, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. So if 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 it comes off disrespectful, I promise that's not the way I mean it. But you, look, I've lived all over the United States uh, from the Rust Belt. Uh, from Detroit. I was in the the Marine Corps. I've lived um, in North Carolina. I've lived in St. Louis. I've lived in California, uh, Los Angeles. Um, You know, some of these states, I lived in military bases. Some of them I, you know, lived as a civilian. And now I live in Atlanta. And the one thing I've noticed is that um, I saw a lot of boxing fans, of course, in LA, in Detroit, in in St. Louis. Um, But here, not as much. Uh, when I lived in North Carolina, not as much. And I think that in middle America, which is what the Southeast, the Midwest, um, and I, they call Detroit the Midwest, but it's really the Mideast. I think that places like Detroit, Pittsburgh are more the Mideast. The, the culture is a little different. When I think Midwest, I think of like Nebraska and places like that, right? I think the UFC has marketed to to those populations very very well and boxing kind of told those populations to go fuck themselves a long time ago with with the way it's marketed and so ufc does a very very good job marketing to those demographics and if you look at who watches their shows who goes to their shows who buys their pay-per-views and i've seen the reports i've seen the reports from friends i have at networks that have the demographic breakdowns of the subscribers to whatever network it is buying the pay-per-views. They have all this stuff. It's all tracked guys and they know how to market things. And they know that's why you get ads, uh, certain ads in your YouTube videos, certain ads on your Facebook feed, whatever it is, even certain junk mail that comes in your mailbox. Uh, It's all targeted based on the shit you buy, the shit you watch, the things you Google, the things you search. So you're, you're doing your porno search on Google. (laughs) might want to be careful with some of the stuff you're researching because they see all of it. Anyway, 
Um, I, I'd say the UFC is marketed to that group. One thing I've learned about being here in the South, people down here, especially the quote-unquote white people I talk to, they love wrestling. They love wrestling. That is their thing, man. They, they really love it. Pretty much every dude I've talked to here from that background, I'm talking like Anglo. Um, you, don't, you don't run into a lot of Greek people or Italian people or Russian people. You know, it, it's, it's generally speaking Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, you know, uh, when you talk to people in that population. And they all wrestled in high school. All of them, every single one of them I talked to, they wrestled in high school. That's their thing. So that they're going to like UFC. It's going to market to them better. And uh, I think UFC also does a really good job of marketing to like the suburban populations and um, the the business community, like the bankers and the the collared shirt wearing dudes and stuff. Um, they they market to those groups really really well. Uh, the people that watch boxing, at least from my perspective, it's going to be more of your blue collar working guys, construction guys, stuff like that. Guys that work with their hands. Um, it doesn't mean those guys don't like UFC as well. But from what I've noticed in all the different markets I've lived in, those are just the different demographics involved with the sport. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of, uh, I don't know, insight into it. But you also have to remember, you know, the UK, England specifically, you know, compared to the United States is really small. And your, your population is a lot more uh, homogeneous, right? Um, America is an extremely diverse place, very, very diverse. And even though we're all in the same country, um, you know, a, a quote unquote white guy who grows up in New York has a lot more in common with a black dude in New York than he does with a white guy in Alabama or a white guy in Denver, Colorado. Or so, you know what I'm saying? It, it's completely different. Um, Europe, America is like the size of Europe, you know? So um, it's, it's not all this, this homogenous population that sees things the same way. So um, I would say boxing is bigger on the coasts, you know, particularly the Northeast, the Southwest, uh, and the, the Southern border of the country than it is in the middle of the country, where sports like college football, UFC, NASCAR, you know, that kind of stuff is like huge in the rest of the country. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know about NASCAR anymore. I know it used to be, but uh, that's what people watch. So hopefully that put a little bit of perspective out there for you. And I didn't trigger any of you with that. That's just what I've noticed. And that's the reports that I've read and the network executives I've spoken with. That's the sort of information that's been shared with me. Okay. Whew. I got out of that without triggering anybody. Because today you can't even mention some of this stuff without getting people really, really anxious. Uh, Kouster says, there's less and less good white UFC fighters. I think the fan base is slowly going to die like boxing. I don't know, man. I, I Look, I, I don't watch UFC, but all their big stars that I can ever think of were, were white people. Um, and, you know, Chuck Liddell, and maybe I'm going too far back, but Forrest Griffin, uh, who's the chick? Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor. Um, now, I know there's been some other guys, too, but, you know, in that sport, it just seems that's who they're always promoting. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Dana White's doing that on purpose or not. I'm going to leave that up for, to interpretation for you guys, but it sure seems like it sometimes. I'll just say that. <clears throat> uh, Kowser says, Connor is Irish. Yes, Irish people are the whitest people on earth. So, Yeah. Uh, Shadow Combat says Anderson Silva. Yes, I look based on the little bit of UFC I've ever seen. Anderson Silva is the best fighter in MMA history, pound for pound, based on what I've seen. Okay, I think he'd handle just about all of them. Was he ever as popular in America as guys like Chuck Liddell, Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor, George St. Pierre, and a million of these other guys? He wasn't. He wasn't. Um, so again. I think that that sport is marketed a certain way and they get a certain response. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, Sam A says, John Jones, is that the steroid guy who's been caught like 5,000 times and yet they let him keep fighting? That's another thing. That sport could give a flying fuck about um, steroids, apparently. Uh, Nacho says, I don't think so because unless they feel yeah. oh, Okay, you're talking to someone else. My bad, Nacho. I didn't know if that was at me or... 
Uh, Coster says white is an American thing. Yeah, okay. Now you're getting into some non-boxing territory. I'm not touching that one. I do agree with you, though. The United States, I love my country, proudly served. But we are really stupid when it comes to race and ethnicity. We have a very uncomfortable, immature, irrational relationship with race in the United States of America. It's really, really stupid. Most Americans think Hispanic is a race. Most Americans would look at Matt Damon and Al Pacino and think they're the same ethnic background. Most Americans look at uh, Meghan Markle and Serena Williams, and they lie to themselves thinking, yeah, that's the same race. Americans are really fucking stupid when it comes to race. Really, really stupid. Um, sucks, but it is what it is. How many says, salute Montero. Can you upload this on Spreaker? I have been sick, not able to listen to TNC and three knockdown rule yet. Yes, absolutely, sir. Feel better, Hamed. Feel better. Take care of yourself and feel better. <clears throat> not on the chat says football and basketball really overshadow mostly everything. Yeah, man, especially here in the South. People here in the South, I noticed, really love like college football and um, even college basketball and stuff. But college football rules down here. That is like the number one sport more than any other pro sport. At least what I've noticed in Atlanta, people here love the college football. Just love it, man. <sighs> Shadow Combat pulling out the lyrics uh, to Louie, Louie. Who sang that, Shadow? Uh, she was black as night. Louie was whiter than white. Who sang that shit? Louie, uh, Louie, Louie, Louie. I know the song. It's in my head. But I can't think of who the hell sang that. <clears throat> Kufu Jitsu said uh, they used to have boxing in high school and colleges, but they phased it out. Asian Brazilian martial arts and wrestling seems to have survived. Uh, well, in fairness, uh, Terry Moss, promoter here in Atlanta, does train the Georgia Tech boxing team, and she's trying to get boxing going back in college. In fact, she has a boxing uh, college boxing card coming up. I will be doing the commentary that's going to be streamed on the WBC's network. I'll keep you guys posted on that. I want to say it's the first week of December. And I'll be doing the fight commentary for that. And then she has a pro show December 11th. I'll be doing the commentary for that as well. When we get closer to those shows, I'll let you guys know. But I think the Georgia Tech boxing team is going to fight. I believe it's the Georgia boxing team. That's going to be a lot of fun, man. But you're right. They used to have boxing in the, Here's the difference between... They used to have boxing in high school and college. The difference between boxing and martial arts quote unquote and, and to be clear boxing is a martial art but you don't take the head blows in wrestling karate all that kind of stuff that you do in boxing it's less brutal and i'm not trying to diminish the skill set or anything but again guys i've seen the numbers you've seen the how many people die in wrestling how many people die in mma or in kung fu or kickboxing even it's not the same as in boxing. You take a lot more head trauma. And, you know, the mothers of America, you know, had issues with their, their kids taking headshots in school. All right. Let me jump to the phones one more time. And then we're probably going to wrap it up, guys. We've been going for about an hour here. Uh, let's see. 214 from Dallas. You're on the show. What's up? Hey, what's up, Michael? I've been watching your show for a little bit, and uh, I, 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 I used to watch you on the Ring Digital, I think that's what it's called, but I didn't know you had your own uh, YouTube channel, so I was just watching and I called in. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about the uh, Jamel Herring and Shakur. I don't know why I'm leaning for his hearing, but from what I've been seeing, I've seen a lot of, I've been, I watched a clip of uh, Shakur today. And he's a pretty good. He's pretty good on the back foot. I want to see. So I don't know how uh, Jamel is going to be able to, you know, win this without being countered a lot. Okay. Yeah, you know, when I talked to I Jamel, think, uh, I think. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Shakur might. He might. Uh, he might make this a boring fight. Yeah. And uh, I think he's going to be punching a lot, and I think he's going to win. Yeah, when I talked to Jamel, he was saying that he can't sit back and let Shakur just kind of do what he wants to do uh, because then uh -huh. Stevenson will make it a boring fight. He'll just pot shot and he'll make you miss from the outside. 
I think Jamel's got to get a little nasty with the man and kind of do a little bit of what Tyson Fury did against Wilder and kind of lean on him and kind of grapple and maul with him and just use his man strength because Jamel is the stronger guy. Uh, that's really his only chance. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you see it that way too. Yeah. Is, is Jamel a little bit big for 130? Yeah. Yeah. J- Jamel fought, a lot of people don't know this, but Jamel was in the Olympics. He fought it like in the 140s. And then when he first went pro, he fought at 135. It's only when he signed with top rank that he moved down to 130. So he's big for that division. Okay. Oh, and uh, uh, the, I want to the Roley. They had the Roley uh, Javante thing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I pretty much agree with everybody else says about Roley. For me, I think there's might be the I don't I don't find it funny the way he talks. It's, to me, it suggests like there's something wrong with him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not like, especially at the conference. Like usually, he he was do he would normally do some antics, and some people find it funny. But when he was at the conference, he didn't seem all that convinc- convincing to me. Yeah, that's and, an interesting uh, observation. There is something a little off with the guy. I, I I don't know. Maybe he's just always been like that. But he is. He's a little little off. There's something there. And uh, it's good to see that uh, Devin Haney and uh, 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 what's his name, JoJo, seem like they're gonna fight. Yeah, you know, I think JoJo's. I, I think uh, I think Devin Haney can can win this fight. Uh, I don't think he's gonna fight the same like he fought Lenares. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be fighting from the outside and uh, on the back foot most of the time. But I think the uh, since Ryan Garcia doesn't have any opponents, I think he should fight that shrimp guy from uh from Golden Boy. Since Jorge Linares isn't with uh Golden Boy anymore, that, that shrimp guy, what's his name? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. That'd be uh, a good fight. Guy. Shrimp yeah. Boy, um, good fight. I think that would be a good fight. Um, let me see. Are you talking about? Ah, I can't think of his name right now. Damn it, I'm blanking on the name, bro. <laughs> Shit. Hector uh, Tanahara. The Tanahara. Let me look at that. Hector Tanahara Jr. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's coming off that L to Zapata in July. Yeah, that, that was the one in L.A. Yeah, that'd be a fun comeback fight. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, he's he should fight that guy. And uh yeah, I think that's all for uh I think that who else is fighting? Is there anybody fighting on the undercard of no uh on tomorrow? Jamel versus uh uh yeah. There's um Zander Zayas. You probably want to check him out. He's gonna get a big KO on that undercard. Um the 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 matchups on the undercard are not very good. It's not a very good undercard, but there's some interesting prospects. But yeah, it's just going to be KO after KO, man. It's just it's just setup after setup. So it is what it is. Okay, well that's my call. All right, brother. Appreciate it, man. All right, see you. All right, uh, Papa Chubby says Herring's losses have both been the southpaws. That and Shakur's speed will be trouble. Yeah, I actually talked to Jamel about that. Guys, go go watch my interview with Jamel. It's on the Ring Digital's YouTube channel. And uh, check it out. It's maybe maybe 30 minutes. But I asked him specifically about that. And, and he, you know, here's, here's what Jamel told me, okay? First of all, those two fights were at 135. He was pretty much training himself because the guy he was working with, Mike Stafford, was 100% focused on Adrian Broner. So Jamel wasn't really getting the attention he needed. Um, you know, I, we've talked a little bit off the record about when uh, he fought Ladarius Miller, his camp for that fight, and just how bad it was. It was really, really bad. That's why part of why Jamel left after that. But when he signed with uh, top rank, he's been training with Bomack and Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford, one of the best switch hitters, you know, southpaws in the game. He's been training with him, sparring with him, working with him now for a few years. And um, I, he says that experience 
is going to help him in this fight. So we'll find out, man. We'll find out. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else? Real quick. Uh, yeah. Nico Ali is on the card. Yes, he is. Uh, that's He's in a setup fight, too. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of um, knockouts on the undercard. So I'm probably going to do a meetup tomorrow. If any of you guys are in Atlanta, I'm going to – I'll message um, a few of my media brothers uh, probably tonight or tomorrow. But there's a bar, a rooftop bar, like a block from the venue. So we'll probably hang out there, have a beer or two before we walk over because that undercard is – yeah, yeah. All right, guys, that's it for today. Um, Enjoy the fights tomorrow, and TNC is back Monday on the Ring Digital. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Love you as you see us at the fights. Peace.